0: hello and welcome back to a brand new season of the birth lounge podcast this is the first episode of the year 2024 oh my goodness you guys i hope you had a great into 2023 and an even better start to 2024 I'm super stoked for this season of the Birth Onge podcast because all of the topics, came from you guys. Typically, I pick the topic and I pick the guest, and it has just been a smorgasbord of topics that I'm interested in, of topics that are highly requested, things that I think people should know about and maybe don't know about. But at the end of last year, I decided to put the control in your hands. That's what we're all here for, is to help you have your best birth, to help you know your options, to help you feel confident in getting the birth that you want and deserve to have. And so I put out questions and people did not disappoint. Boy, you guys came out with the topics like just pure madness. There were so many I couldn't even keep up with. And so one of the things we're doing different this year in 2024 is we're actually going to be publishing two podcast episodes each week. You got it. Twice a week, you and I will be able to hang out with some of the coolest people on earth to help you have an amazing birth experience. I want you to have an easy pregnancy. I want you to enjoy this sacred time in your body, in your spirit, with your partner, with your friends and family, and in your community. I want you to truly be in control of the decisions made, even if right now our healthcare system is not designed to support that, I wanna equip you with the tools and the knowledge and the research and the data and the resources and the people, the community, the support, the encouragement to go out and advocate for the birth that you want. So I'm so stoked to be able to hang out with you twice a week, I cannot even begin to tell you about the amazing guests that we have coming on the show this year. So just buckle up, get ready, okay? So, welcome to episode 229 of the Birth Lounge Podcast. To kick us off with our brand new season, I am joined today by Jesse Brebner of Fertility Charting. Jessie is a passionate advocate for fertility awareness. She's someone who helped me massively on my own personal journey and growth, learning about cervical mucus change and charting. And Jessie believes that fertility awareness is a gateway to improve your health and your body literacy and your reproductive empowerment. She is a certified symptothermal method instructor for both natural birth control, natural conception, and health tracking. And before I welcome on Jesse, I want to just let you know that this may seem like a topic that is woo-woo to you or feels really daunting and overwhelming. In this episode, we're truly going to break it down to a very basic level where you can truly start implementing things Soon, maybe not today, but you'll at least know where to start in your research and your journey. You'll have practitioners that you can contact and rely on. I want you to seriously think about this if your reproductive health, your menstrual cycle, or your fertility is anywhere on your mind for the year of 2024 or beyond. I, too, am a huge advocate for fertility awareness and just understanding your body, knowing what is going on in your reproductive health, is super, super important. All right, you guys, without further delay, Jesse, welcome to the show. Hi, hehe. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited about this conversation. I always say in the beginning what I like think about a topic. And usually it's like, I think this is a topic that not a lot of people know about, which is why I have obviously people on the show. But this is truly a topic that nobody knows about. (laughs) and I I think that's why (laughs) I am so excited. So I first learned about cervical mucus and tracking your fertility and being more aware of your body rhythms. Gosh, I guess it, wow, I guess it's been six years. And when I learned that, it changed everything for me. And now because I do that, I know oh my gosh, I know so much. I know when I'm going to be the most successful and like driven and fruitful during the month. I know when I'm going to need to like take a break and make sure my schedule is lighter. I know when I should book big meetings and when I shouldn't. I know when I am safe to have sex, unprotected sex and when I'm not. I know when I'm going to require more rest when I oh my gosh, I, I stacked my calendar around it. So learning to track your fertility is so much more than just like, I do, or I don't want to have a baby. And mm. when I first learned about it, the I think one of the most mind blowing parts was cervical mucus for me. I had never considered it. It was never, ever, ever ever, ever shared with me or pitched to me or taught to me in a positive way, in a way that was even like this serves a purpose, right? And so today, I think that our audience is going to have an entire new world of how they can relate to and understand and respond to their body just like opened up for them. I'm very, very excited. So before we dive too far into like the fertility stuff and and you know how to track your cycle, all that stuff, can we start at the very basics of like maybe just cervical mucus 101? Mm,
1: Yes, absolutely. And even before we begin, I have to say that I resonate so much with, you know, never being told anything about cervical mucus growing up. I was in, I was 26, I think, before I first discovered what cervical mucus was. And isn't that just, that's a travesty, like in my opinion. And I know there are so many people out there who are still in that position of just operating in the dark with their bodies and not being in tune and connected to what's going on. So yeah, I just have to say, if you are in the dark, it's through no fault of your own because we're not getting this education. <laughs> we're really not. So let's chat cervical mucus. Before we talk about cervical mucus, we have to talk briefly about the menstrual cycle. Essentially, when we think of the menstrual cycle, a lot of us think of our period because that's the most Obvious thing, we see it usually roughly every month or so in our underwear. We're bleeding, it's it's obvious, but that's really not the main event of the menstrual cycle. So, as you know, he he, the main event is ovulation. And ovulation is much more of a a silent event, it's not something that's so obvious from the outside as menstruation. But basically, when we are building up to ovulate, our bodies produce a hormone called estrogen. And after we've ovulated, our bodies produce a hormone called progesterone. They also produce estrogen as well. But those are the two main hormones of our menstrual cycle. And basically, we can uh, uh, split the menstrual cycle into two phases. We have the follicular phase, which starts from the first day of our period up until ovulation. And during that phase, estrogen is our dominant hormone. And then we ovulate And after ovulation, up until the day before our next period, progesterone is our dominant hormone, and that's called the luteal phase. And that phase is always, it's a fixed length, it's roughly two weeks. So you could have a big delay leading up to ovulation, but once you've ovulated, you'll always bleed within two weeks, unless of course you've conceived and you're pregnant. Anyway, so we've set the scene, we just have to set the scene. So basically... We've got obviously a, a uterus if we are menstruating, and the lower third of our uterus is an organ called the cervix. And the cervix is basically a muscular canal, it connects our uterus with the top part of our, of our vaginal canal. And the cervix responds to our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. So basically, as we get closer to ovulating, we produce more and more estrogen this estrogen is triggering our cervix to produce what's called cervical mucus, which is essentially a hydrogel. It's a gel with a very high water content and lots of mucus filaments and molecules. And as we get closer to ovulation, we see our cervical mucus become more and more watery and slippery and clear and stretchy. And then after we've ovulated, that cervical mucus dries up. Now, in terms of, I guess, like a textbook cycle, what you might see is you might finish your period, you might finish bleeding, you might have a few dry days. And then as estrogen slowly starts to rise, we see sticky tacky kind of gummy cervical mucus that slowly transitions into creamy or lotiony sort of cervical mucus. And then continues to transition into what a lot of people refer to as egg white cervical mucus because it looks a little bit like raw egg whites. And we see that transition as the water content increases and as estrogen increases, and then after ovulation, it dries up thanks to our beautiful hormone progesterone. And it's usually relatively dry for the two weeks until our next period. So that's the very basic overview of what we might expect cervical mucus to look like in our menstrual cycle, but there's so much more we can talk about.
0: I just want to say, so I knew everything that you had said, but the way that you say it just draws me in. It's so eloquent. And you make cervical mucus, this like almost <laughs> sexy thing where I'm like, tell me more about how magical my body is. It just, yes. oh my gosh, hearing you say it is just like, I love it. I was like, yes, tell me more. Okay. So I guess do tell me more. What if someone mm. You know, has a very short follicular phase or a very long follicular phase. How might we be able to track our own patterns in order to know this? Mm.
1: So this is a fantastic question. And first off, it's so normal. So there's this myth out there of the 28-day menstrual cycle. And there's this myth that we're all ovulating on cycle day 14. And it's simply not true. So when we look at the real world, we have people ovulating very early in their menstrual cycle and people ovulating uh, much later. And a lot of that can even be influenced by things like PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, stress. Undereating, overtraining, all those sorts of things can push out ovulation and sometimes even bring it earlier. So if we're traveling and stressed, all that sort of thing. So there is this natural variation that occurs because we're normal, natural human beings out in the real world. And what that means is that our cervical mucus patterns can look different. So as just a very basic example, just say you have PCOS and your ovulation is delayed, so maybe you have quite long menstrual cycles, maybe you've got 50 or 60-day long menstrual cycles, what you're likely to see is multiple patches of what we call estrogenic cervical mucus because when we have PCOS, often our bodies are trying over and over to ovulate, but they're not quite getting there. And every time our body is attempting to ovulate, we have follicles growing in our ovaries and producing estrogen. And as we we learned before, estrogen is stimulating our cervix to produce cervical mucus. And so we might see multiple patches of egg white cervical mucus, but then we don't see an abrupt dry up, which would happen if if we popped out an egg and we started producing progesterone, cervical mucus usually abruptly dries up. And we would also see a rise in temperature if we had ovulated. So that's the other half of the symptothermal method, which I teach. And so if you're charting your cycle with the symptothermal method, you can literally see it playing out in real time. These ovulation attempts, maybe they don't quite happen. Maybe your body tries again. Maybe your body finally has the energy resources and things are in a good space and you ovulate and you can see that reflected in your chart. So we don't always see textbook charts. But the fantastic thing about the Symptothermal Method is that it does still work if you do have irregular cycles. And that's actually quite a big myth that we see out in the world that you have to have like a perfectly regular 28-day cycle to use the Symptothermal Method or it's sometimes known as the Fertility Awareness Method. And it's just not true. It's actually still relevant if you have irregular
0: or long cycles. Yeah. Okay, so this Symptothermal What is it? What was the name? Symptothermal method. Yeah. Is it, you said it's fertility awareness method. So is it basal body temperature plus cervical mucus and you do those two things together? So yes, essentially the symptothermal method is where we have a protocol for
1: combining both cervical mucus observations and our basal body temperature observations. So there's actually a lot of different types of what we call fertility awareness-based methods or FABMs. So there's mucus only or temperature only or symptohormonal where people are Uh, measuring urinary hormone metabolites. There's many different variations of FABMs, but the the form that I teach, the symptothermal method, essentially is just cervical mucus tracking in combination with basal body temperature tracking. And it is, in my opinion, uniquely useful, especially when we're in our regular times of fertility in our reproductive life, Because we're able to double check and cross check these two, what we call fertility biomarkers against each other, which reduces the chances of error. So just say you have a fever and it spikes your temperature, you're also cross checking against cervical mucus. And that's part of the reason the method is so effective.
0: So to be clear for our listeners, this is what I use. Jesse, can you step us through what this method looks like? And then listeners, I will share what I do. Amazing. Yes.
1: So on a day-to-day basis, we are doing two things. So number one, we're observing our cervical mucus and different methods have different protocols, but essentially you're checking cervical mucus multiple times all throughout the day. So it's not just like a one and done thing. It's a very comprehensive observation process, but it is seamless and easy and quick. So it's not hugely time consuming. And then also we are taking our temperatures first thing in the morning when we wake up. So we're observing these two fertility biomarkers, then what we're doing is we're charting them on a chart. So either a paper chart or some people use an app. I love the Read Your Body app if you're wanting to use an app. So we've, we've then got those observations on a chart because it's all well and good to say that we're observing things, but if we don't write them down, it's so easy to forget. So charting is a really important part. And then what we do is that we have specific rules of the symptothermal method that we use to interpret different events on our chart. So what we're looking for is the opening of the fertile window and the closing of the fertile window. And so we have some really specific rules that we apply to our charts so that we know when we've entered the fertile time of our menstrual cycle and when we've exited the fertile time of our menstrual cycle. And what that means is that it's useful for a wide variety of people. So if you need to prevent pregnancy, then we're doing that. And if you want to achieve a pregnancy, then you've got this absolute roadmap in front of you of the most fertile days of your cycle. So that's a a, a brief overview.
0: I love that. Okay. You guys, this I'm like geeking out because this is how I came into this journey of like Feeling so in control of my body, and I know some people out there are are not going to believe this, but I can truly tell which side I ovulate Mm -hmm. from, and it's because I am—I truly feel it. Like I am so connected with myself, and it actually came from this. This is not any sort of like woo-woo thing. I learned exactly what was going on. I was like, "Oh my god, all this time that's not gas. I have been having X, Y, and Z." (laughs) Or like, "Oh my god, this makes so much sense because this is what my hormones are doing." Right, so. For listeners, I know I'm going to get a million messages of people saying like, what do you use? Here's what I do. I do cervical checking just anytime I go to the bathroom. I'm checking my cervix or my cervical mucus, not my cervix, but my cervical mucus. Just being aware of it. It's nothing formal in my case, and it has what it's what works for me. And then for a while there, I was waking up to take my temperature, and it just wasn't sustainable. So I opted actually for the temp drop, and I love it. I know some people don't love it, and I know it's not for everybody. But for me, that's what works, and it works. It's what works for my lifestyle, and and when I travel. It's easy to take with me. So those are those are some options that you have. I love this method so much because I think the cross-check that you talked about, I always have described it as the double layer. I had like a backup system. One didn't work. Or if I had questions about one, I had a backup system. But that cross-check is a much better description because you have two looks into your body, your hormone, what is going on in your cycle. And, you know, women, people with female hormones work on that, day-to-day, well, I guess it, I don't want to say like 30-day cycle, 28-day cycle, because you touched on it being a variety of days connected, weeks connected, where we know our counterparts or males work on a 24-hour cycle. So it's very important, I have found, for our relationship, because I kind of know what's coming down the pipeline emotionally. It also has helped my mental health, because now I know where in the month my anxiety is going to peak, probably due to hormones, when I don't even know, my anxiety peaks, when I stop sleeping, when I start having the intrusive thoughts, I can remind myself, oh yeah, I'm in this period. This is anxiety talking. Let's go do a meditation. Let's take a nap. Let's go work out. Let's go read. Let's go walk barefoot in the grass for a second. I can get a hold of myself a lot better than if I was just spiraling and had or not if, but when I used to spiral Mm. and have, you know, no reason for it. Or in my mind, I was like, I have no idea why this is happening. Yes. It's so powerful. Such a powerful
1: practice to know yourself at that level, because it is, you know, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience It's frightening and confusing when you are navigating the world and you don't understand why you're not operating at this even keel and you see everyone else, you see the Instagram highlights, you see perhaps your male counterparts out and about always showing up pretty much at the same level of energy and motivation and emotional stability. And honestly, as someone who menstruates, it's just simply not the case for me personally, I, I, like you say, cycle through these different phases of energy and motivation and my emotional and mental well-being and knowing that I can attribute a large portion of that to my inner workings, my own hormones is so empowering because Mm -hmm. like you say, I can see, all right, I know that in my luteal phase lately perhaps and I have been having a little bit of a tough time in my luteal phase lately and so what I've done is said, okay, I'm in my follicular phase now. I've got energy, motivation. I'm feeling great. I'm actually going to do some batch cooking and put it in my freezer for when I get to my luteal phase and I don't have quite the same energy. And I'm not going to beat myself up when I get to the luteal phase and I feel like that because I know that for me, it's just part of my normal uh, routine, my normal cycle. And just how empowering that is. And I wish people had access to that knowledge earlier, especially in our teen years, I think that would be transformative. And I'm sad that
0: people don't have that in their teen years. Think about how different the world would be if it was set up to support mm. kind of natural ebbs and flows of the human experience. It mm. things would look really different, right? Like sports in high school and high school in general, and mm-hmm. um, you know, work and, and time off and All sorts of things, paid leave, just everything I think would look very different if we considered the actual human experience over profit.
1: Um, Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. I do have a question about using our cervical mucus as a way to identify when we are most fertile, especially if it changes for everybody. And it may not be exactly on that 14 day mark. I know on your Instagram, which I think is fantastic. What is your Instagram, by the way? It's, it's fertility charting. Nice. Fertility charting. Okay. Everyone go follow Jesse over there. But on your Instagram, you had a post that had talked about using LH strips is not enough. That in conjunction with that, we should be using tracking your cervical mucus for exactly what we've already talked about. That cross check, you want to have that double layer of that you know, double layer of protection of knowing what mm. your body's doing. Talk to us about what is our cervical mucus going to look like when we are peak fertility and how should we time that in addition to our LLH strip testing? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> this is such a good question.
1: Where to begin? So we can come at this question from multiple different angles. So if you are trying to conceive, the answer is a little different. And if you are trying to prevent pregnancy, the answer is a little bit different. But what I will say is that luteinizing hormone test strips or OPKs, ovulation predictor kits, they're so popular. You know, they're in most supermarkets, most pharmacies, And they're testing for that hormone, luteinizing hormone. And luteinizing hormone basically spikes, it surges approximately 24 to 36 hours prior to us releasing an egg at ovulation. Now, the fantastic thing about LH kits is that they are helpful for people. They do help people. They give crucial information that is really helpful, especially if you're trying for a baby. Now, the problem is a few problems. Number one is that, not all LH surges are followed by ovulation. So sometimes our body tries to ovulate. It does provide a surge of LH, but we just don't quite ovulate. Another problem is that sometimes for people with PCOS, they may have elevated levels of LH. And so they might be getting false positive LH tests. And that can be quite confusing, especially when trying to conceive. But the biggest thing that I think is important to recognize is that we all have a different pattern not only overall, but each menstrual cycle can be different. So we might have a really brief, sharp spike of LH, or we might have a slower surge, a big plateau surge of LH over a few days. Some of us might even have two peaks of LH surge and ovulation can occur at different times in comparison to that. So if you are someone who ovulates at the very beginning of your LH surge, by the time you get that positive OPK result, you've actually missed... A number of crucial high fertility days if you're trying to conceive and that is it's such crucial information i wish people yeah yeah and and that's where tracking cervical mucus comes in because essentially we are uh we've got the highest uh, probability of conception on the day of ovulation and the two days prior and then also in the the days prior to that so it's basically like the five days leading up to ovulation and that also coincides with when we see cervical mucus, because that's when our oestrogen levels are high in the lead up to ovulation. And so we want to be tracking cervical mucus because that's giving us advanced warning that we are getting closer to ovulation. And that counts whether you are trying to prevent pregnancy or trying to achieve pregnancy, because if you are, if you're wanting natural birth control and you're relying on LH test strips, By the time you see a positive LH test strip, you've already been fertile for days, many days for some people. And that's because the lifespan of sperm. So once we have sperm inside our reproductive tract, they can survive for up to five to seven days in ideal conditions. So if they meet some good quality cervical mucus, you've got those swimmers just, you know, chilling out, hanging out, (laughs) hibernating (laughs) in the uterus and the cervix. So, that's definitely something to be aware of that with the symptothermal method, LH testing isn't even a part of it. It's an optional extra and we are we're using our cervical mucus tracking. And when we look at it from a TTC perspective or a trying to conceive perspective, cervical mucus is, it's a fascinating substance because it actually enhances the survival of sperm. So if we have sex, unprotected sex on a dry day so a day where there's really uh, no cervical mucus present there's no moist or or wet or slippery sensations at the vulva sperm have a a very low survival rate because our vagina is acidic and so the probability of conception is around 0.3 percent but then if we're having unprotected sex on days where we have wet and slippery and stretchy cervical mucus sperm have a much higher survival rate of almost 30 percent so we're basically saying Tracking cervical mucus can increase your odds of conception because it allows you to target intercourse to days where those sperm have the best chances of survival. And that's what we want when we're trying to conceive. So I think I've gone a little bit off track <laughs> from your question. Sorry, hee <laughs>
0: No, not at all. Again, you have made something very unsexy and I think stressful to people trying to conceive, trying to time their intercourse right, trying to get pregnant. You've made it sound really sexy again. You made it sound (laughs) like, wow, I can totally do this. Okay. So can can we talk about what it would look like for someone who's trying to prevent pregnancy? So someone like me. Mm, Yes, absolutely. So there are different approaches to this depending what
1: type of symptothermal method you use, but the symptothermal method that I teach, we incorporate cross checks. So, as opposed to when we are closing the fertile window, when we cross check mucus with BBT, when we are opening the fertile window, we cross check mucus with calculation rules in the method that I teach. So, essentially there are multiple ways that we look at opening the fertile window. So one of the, the main ones is cervical mucus because as soon as we see any cervical mucus, even if it's just the sensation of moistness um, at the vulva um, or even just sticky or tacky cervical mucus that can still enhance the survival rate of sperm, which we don't want if we are trying to prevent pregnancy. So what we look for is something called the point of change. So that's when we our period ends and we might have a few dry days and we're keeping an eye out for the point of change when we start to notice a change in sensation or the appearance and the quantity of our cervical mucus. And that indicates to us that our ovaries have woken up, they've switched on, there are some follicles growing and they're producing estrogen and that's impacting our cervix. And we know that that opens the fertile window. Now, with the centrothermal method I teach, we actually cross-check that because we don't really want to be relying on just a single biomarker if possible. And so we cross-check against what's called calculation rules. So we look at all of your previous charted cycles, and you have to have um, a certain um, number of cycles charted to do this. But we look at those cycles. We look at the earliest day you've ever had a temperature shift, and then we minus um, eight off of that to find what's known as the last infertile day, which usually gives us a cutoff in our menstrual cycle. And usually that occurs maybe a day or two before you actually see cervical mucus. So it makes the Centrothermal method incredibly safe and effective. So when we look at clinical trials, specifically, there's a method called SensiPlan that has been studied that came out in 2007, I think, in Germany, and they studied 900 women. Over seventeen thousand six hundred and thirty-eight menstrual cycles, and they proved that the symptothermal method was up to ninety-nine point six percent effective. And that really comes down to that double checking and that those safety nets that are built into the method.
0: Nice. I truly cannot sing enough praises about this method because it has truly given me the confidence in my body. Like. I have no questions or fears about my fertility where I am now in this journey, which is not wanting a baby in this period of life. Eventually that will change and I will flip and I will then be tracking to get pregnant, but that's not where I'm at right now. And I still have zero fears about my fertility or my menstrual health or what is happening in my body. Like it is it truly was like a weight lifted. No, it was gradual. I learned about it over several years and I didn't just like, you know, go from birth control to, to. I usually refer to it as the fertility awareness method, but I didn't go straight to FAM. It's a gradual learning curve. So if you're out there listening, being like, this sounds cool, but it sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I mean, you're learning your body in a way that you've never really sat down and, and done that introspection before. You are connecting with your body in a way that, traditionally our society is taught women not to connect with us or or actually do the exact opposite or intentionally do things to disrupt it or or intervene unnecessarily. So it's certainly not your fault if you are like, why haven't I known this? And also this seems like a lot, but it is worth the time. And you can do it in small chunks too. I did it in small chunks and I made um, small steps and I can say, and this isn't new, it probably to go from zero to, to totally confident It probably took me between three and four years. So I am several years into it now. And like I say, it is just, it's not even a second thought to me. It's just something that I do in my routine every single day put on my temp drop, check my cervical mucus. It's just, it's like part of my lifestyle. It's not any extra mental load for me at this point, which I know can be really, really nice. Okay. So, Jesse, tell us about intercourse in order to get pregnant. You said that. You've got five days maybe that you are fertile. Does this mean that people should be having sex on those days and definitely the two days leading up to ovulation? And then I have always heard to have sex the day after ovulation, just in case. Is that a myth? Is that something people should be doing? How does that work? What should we know about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is a fantastic question. And the answer is that in the menstrual cycle, we have a six to nine day fertile window. So essentially, it's going to be different for everyone because our biology and our health impacts you know, these variables. But essentially, there's the egg we release at ovulation, and that has a maximum fertilizable lifespan of around 24 hours. And during that 24 hours, we can even release additional eggs. And those would also have a maximum fertilizable lifespan of up to 24 hours. So essentially, the absolute maximum that you could have an egg alive and awaiting fertilization is 48 hours. Now, we also have to factor in the lifespan of sperm, which is up to five to seven days. So when we when we look at that, we've got a range of six to nine days fertile window, But when we really look at it even further, the average lifespan of sperm is usually a little bit closer to three days. So the the five to seven days is more the outer limits. So we really don't have this huge window of time in the menstrual cycle. We do really want to target intercourse. And the best way that we can do that is by targeting um, intercourse to days where we are seeing really high quality cervical mucus. So that's cervical mucus that is clear Um, It's cervical mucus that's stretching. It's cervical mucus that is causing a wet or a slippery sensation at our vulva. So as we're walking around throughout the day, we might just notice, hey, that feels wet. So if it's something that's foreign to you, think about when you get your period unexpectedly and you feel a wet sensation and you're like, oh, oh no, like I've got to go to the bathroom. Like I I didn't realize I was going to get my period. That sensation, you might notice that around the time of ovulation. So that's something to, to keep in mind. But yes, we want to target sex to those days because that's going to give sperm the best chances of survival. And we need sperm, if possible, to be ready and waiting in the fallopian tubes in advance of the egg being released because that egg's got such a short fertilizable lifespan to give us the best chance of having uh, that egg fertilized. We want the sperm to be ready and waiting. And what that means is that we want to be having sex in advance of ovulation and doing this is going to increase chances of conception. And the way that we do this is by tracking cervical mucus, which peaks just prior to ovulation usually. Now we also want to uh, continue having sex for the day or two after um, our peak day, or even up to the day, the second day of the temperature shift, whichever is going to occur last. And the reason that we want to do that is because everyone's different. Our biology is different, our charts are different, and ovulation has been shown to occur up to, say, the second day of a raised temperature shift, that sort of thing. So there's this wide range. And when I work with clients, we nail that down on our charts and we target intercourse to those days to optimize our chances of pregnancy. And the thing is that it is possible. It can be, it can be done and it does increase chances of pregnancy. And it's available to everyone to do. Simply tracking cervical mucus is the best place to begin. Oh, and I, I should say, it. I should say, if anyone is listening and thinking where to even begin maybe you are trying to conceive and you're not in a position to really investigate this to a huge level of detail because you know it can be stressful there's a lot going on if you visit my website i have a cervical mucus gallery you can literally browse through images you can get used to what it looks like and really familiarize yourself and that a lot of people have told me that's been really helpful in their conception journey
0: I remember when you first started to spearhead that project because there were no examples. There were no graphics. There were no pictures of, what cervical mucus looked out look like out there in order to educate people and I just remember on your Instagram you would be like if you've got this type of cervical mucus like and you're willing (laughs) to share your picture I love it and I was like man I couldn't love this more if I tried this is just so amazing like I'm so glad I live in a world where we can ask on social media for people to share their <laughs> cervical mucus so that we can teach people about their bodies. Like it just jazzed me up. I was like, this is right. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's breaking down those
1: taboos, right? Because yes. we should be able to send photos of our cervical mucus and, and share those images and learn from it. Okay. And it, unfortunately, it still remains a taboo. Like I still remember yeah. feeling embarrassed when I was at work and when I had a, a different job. And the IT guy had to help me with my computer <laughs> and he came over to help and opened a folder and it was just full of cervical mucus pictures. <laughs> but I remember that feeling and it is such a taboo. It still exists. But yeah. I just imagine a world in which we all recognize cervical mucus for the wonderful, incredible substance it is. It's magical.
0: Yeah, and I gotta be honest, I didn't know. I was so blown away by cervical mucus when I first started this journey of taking control of my fertility and and just learning about my body and bringing my menstrual cycle to a place that I was in control of it and that I felt connected to it and it didn't um, feel like a burden or something that was gross or something that I like almost like I didn't want it to come I was like oh no 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 I don't want this thing it, mm. it really it changed my whole life all right I do have one question before we wrap too far up and it came from a Instagram post that you have up and it talks about cervical mucus filtering out sperm mm. talk to us about that a little bit
1: Great question. I love this question. So, cervical mucus does a lot of things for us when we talk about conception. It's a uniquely fascinating substance because some studies show that it is actually assisting in filtering out sperm with abnormal morphology or motility. And so, essentially, as we get closer to ovulation, our estrogen levels are rising. We have this really beautiful peak of estrogen, which just drops off, and then we kind of pop out an egg. So basically, as estrogen levels are rising, the water content of our cervical mucus is also rising. Now, as that water content rises, what it means is that the gaps between each mucus molecule grow larger. And the mucus molecules are, they're essentially mucus filaments, so little strands of mucus, if that makes sense. Now, as the water content grows larger, what happens is that these strands, uh, becoming oriented in a parallel fashion vertically with the action of gravity so as the water content is is higher that cervical mucus is flowing down the vaginal canal out of the cervix and that's orienting that cervical mucus in a more vertical fashion it's creating what are known as swimming lanes so obviously they're not they don't actually have a lifeguard in there and <laughs> swimming lanes but it's essentially that structure of the mucus becomes more like swimming lanes for sperm. It's still, it's still not easy for sperm to swim through cervical mucus, but it becomes easier. And basically what happens is that there are different types of cervical mucus that we produce. So when we see just say a big clump of what we call egg white cervical mucus within that mucus, there are actually different subtypes of cervical mucus. And these swimming lanes are made up of more dense mucus on the sides Now, if you have sperm that are swimming sideways and they're a little bit, they've got a little bit of abnormal morphology and they're perhaps not robust and swimming uh, strongly um, upwards, if they're swimming sideways, they actually become trapped in this Mm. more dense mucus, which is the, the sides of the swimming lanes, if we put it that way. And so what they've found is that cervical mucus may actually be playing an active role in sperm selection. So selecting for the strongest sperm to continue on the journey towards the egg, which I think is just absolutely mind blowing.
0: Yeah, that is fascinating. I tell you what, the human body will never cease to amaze me. It is just the most intricate thing I think on the planet. Like it is just, I don't know that we'll ever know everything about the human body. And for me, Mm. that is just feels a little unhinged. Like we'll never (laughs) know. It's wild. It is wild. To just think that, you know, it was designed this way. So a lot of times Mm. if we'll just step back and let it do what it needs to do, it will do it if we don't interfere. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, I want to leave space, too, for people who need the intervention or that is your preference for sure. But if you're out there wondering if your body will do this or can do this, the answer is, yeah, you know, most people's body will be able to do this if we just step back, give it the space and then take the time to actually learn it. Yeah, absolutely. And on that topic as well, if you're worried that your cervical mucus is not
1: optimal, there is so much that you can do to improve the quality and the quantity of your cervical mucus. So even visiting a naturopath or a traditional Chinese medicine doctor and getting supplements and acupuncture and assistance to improve cervical mucus, that can help. So I I totally agree with what you're saying. And also there is that space for people who perhaps are not having that success with their natural fertility journey. And that's completely a part of the whole spectrum as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are there things just like quick and easy accessible to everybody that you can do to improve like foods to eat or not eat, like avoid alcohol, avoid sugar? Does any of that matter? I
1: will say that this is outside of my scope of practice. So I'm not a naturopath or a traditional Chinese medicine provider. So I can't provide any official advice. But what I will say is that the number one easy thing that you can do for cervical mucus is hydration. Mm. Uh, because cervical mucus is made up of over 90% water. And when we talk about hydration, we don't always want to be just chugging water because that can be a little bit dehydrating. It can really be flushing minerals from the body. So you want to be incorporating a lot of really nourishing mineral rich liquids. So things like herbal teas and coconut water, all that sort of thing. That's really, yes, yes, absolutely. Bone broth is a fantastic one. And that's, just one tiny, tiny part of the of the equation. There's so much that goes into it. Really, it's in my opinion, it's about nourishment, not only on a physical level but a soul level as well. And when we talk about nourishment, the body to reproduce that is that doesn't really want to come from survival mode. You want to be well nourished because ovulation and pregnancy is such an energy intensive process that we really want to be going into that with such well-nourished nutrient stores and so when we look at our eating habits if we are stressed and we're not eating breakfast and we're just you know gulping down a a bite of lunch while we're chasing out the door to the next meeting if we're not giving our body those nourishment needs then that can have flow-on impacts to our menstrual cycle and we start to see dysfunction in the menstrual cycle and again there's so much I could say on this but I'm not qualified to do so. So I won't, but I will say that if you visit a naturopath or a traditional Chinese medicine doctor, they will have lots of fantastic advice for you. One thing I will also say is that you can look into a specific supplementation. B6 is a fantastic one that's been shown in clinical studies to improve the quality of cervical mucus. So there's so much that you can dive into there. Too much to go into for the podcast.
0: Another episode, another day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic. Oh my gosh. This is also fascinating. I think, you know, I never thought about my period as an indicator of what was going on with my health for, like I say, mm. a couple of years ago. And once I did, it just changed my life. And that's why I really wanted to talk about this today. I wanted to open people's eyes that there is another way to be in control of your fertility. You know, whether you're... Happy or not with your current birth control situation, just knowing that this is an option if and when it ever becomes appropriate for you, I think is super helpful. It may not be a tool that's applicable for you right now in the stage of life you're in right now, but just knowing that it's a tool in your toolbox is uh, my goal with this. So I certainly didn't bring you to this conversation to convince you to do any sort of particular birth control method but just to know that you have different options out there is always my goal so i'm so glad that you guys are listening along and jesse thanks so much for joining uh, me today and us and our audience if they wanted to follow along we connected them with you on instagram um but how else might they be able to work with you you had mentioned your website where can people find you
1: Yeah. So people can find me on my website. So it's fertilitycharting.com.au. And it is really packed full with a lot of free resources. So there is a symptothermal mini course, which is completely free that you can take to start diving into the topic. As we mentioned, there's a cervical mucus gallery. There are Pages about recommended basal body temperature thermometers. There's an instructor directory so you can browse through and find instructors to work with if you're interested in learning the method. There are guides to self-teaching so if it's financially out of range for you at the moment to invest in an instructor you can also read about how to most safely self-teach because obviously it is quite a steep learning curve and we want to make sure That if you dive in, you do that in as safe a way as possible. So yeah, their website is absolutely packed. And yeah, I hope if you're curious, it's helpful for you.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, so heed the warning that Jesse just said, don't dive off into this all by yourself and, and just, you know, go rogue, especially if you're <laughs> intending to use this as pregnancy prevention, make sure you know what you're doing so that you don't have any accidents. And then, you know, then you have just complicated life in a way that you were trying to prevent, right? And if you're trying to conceive, this is a wonderful, wonderful way to get connected with your body, understand what's going on. And especially if you've been on that journey for a bit and you're starting to wonder if you should seek help from a specialist, this is awesome data that you can bring to your specialist to show them kind of what your body has been doing and what kind of patterns you're presenting with. It might help them be able to support you in a little bit of a better and clearer way. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Jesse, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like so fulfilled and I just <laughs> I could listen to you talk all day. And also I just get so jazzed up talking about the the symptothermal method or the fertility awareness method. It is just, it's something that changed my life like so completely. um, And I wasn't (laughs) expecting it. And I think that's why it makes me so excited is because I really got into this journey just because I was tired of where my menstrual cycle was and the products I was using. I was just trying to get into, you know, to be honest, I was just trying to be a little crunchier. I was just trying to be a little healthier. I thought I could get rid of some extra chemicals and things I was exposing myself to. And it led me down this beautiful path of really being able to take control of my fertility and it truly change the way my lifestyle was designed. And now I design it around my menstrual cycle, which I think is really cool and magical. And I want people to know that that's an option for them. So thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: I'm on the same page with you. It's just completely transformed my life as well. And it's just been such a pleasure to speak about it with you and get the word out there. So thank you so much.
0: I'm so excited. Thanks so much for joining me. All right, you guys, I will see you next week for another episode of the Birth Launch Podcast. Until then, bye. Actually, before you go, I wanted to share with you a discount code that I have for the temp drop sleepable, wearable, uh, you know, monitor that I wear at night. It's a thermometer that you put around your arm. I barely notice it and I am such a sensitive sleeper um, and I love it. I don't notice it at all. It takes my temperature while I'm sleeping. It easily syncs to my phone in the morning. It's easy peasy. There's nothing more set it and forget it than a wearable device that you put on before bed and you take off when you wake up and it does everything for you. Inside of the app, I can see all of my normals, I can see my charts, I can see when things are abnormal, I can see when I ovulate, I can see when my menstrual cycle should be starting. All of the information is right there, easily accessible in my app. At my fingertips, I absolutely love it. I'm going to link a referral code for you in the show notes. It's a bunch of letters and numbers. I'm not going to read it out to you, but you can grab that in the show notes so that you can save $10 on your purchase. I have been using this since 2019, and I absolutely love it. I have years of data, so I feel totally in control of my fertility and my reproductive health. I want that same feeling for you and the Tim Trop can help you get there. Check out that code in the show notes to save $10 on your purchase. Bye you guys. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you next time on the Birth Lounge podcast. Until then, head over to Instagram and find us at Tranquility by he he and give us a follow. You can also check us out at thebirthlounge.com.